Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, a Disciple's Journey. This episode, we'll talk about section 87. It's given Christmas Day, 1832. So you read this and he says there's going to be some wars that will shortly come to pass beginning at the rebellion of South Carolina, which will eventually terminate in the death and misery of many souls. Okay, if you know anything about U.S. history, which, and I know that there are many of you who listen, who live outside this, the um, of the United States. So quick recap. Uh, the United States Civil War in the 1860s was about slavery. And other some people will tell you it's not. Uh, we have Section uh, 130 of the Doctrine and Covenants, which tells us it's about slavery from a prophet. So I'm going to go with that. Also, uh, history tells me it was about slavery. The southern states wanted to have slaves, and they said, look, we should have, we have freedom from the federal government to do what we want. Uh, and the northern states said, yeah, you do, except for you can't own people. We've talked about this. We had a, we had a deal to wind down slavery when we became a country, um, and so on and so on. There's a bunch of other details I'm obviously glossing over, but it was about slavery. That happens in the 1860s. This is given in 1832. Well, trouble was already um, arising in 1832. Southern states, specifically South Carolina, uh, United States form of government. There are states that formed a federal government. The states, in theory, not so much in practice, I would argue, in the 21st century, but in theory, control the federal government. Um, and the the southern states were saying, "Look, you can't do some things. We want to, We have our own rights and freedom uh, to to operate autonomously. We are a st- we are a sovereign state." Um. So in eighteen in the eighteen thirties, what was going on is the federal government in the United States had imposed some tariffs and taxes that were definitely impacted the uh, southern states more than the northern states. The southern states primarily produced raw goods, whereas the northern states had a lot of the factories. This will come into play later in the eighteen sixties in the Civil War. And it's a, a major reason why the, the North was able to win, aside from, I, I would argue, divine guidance. But um, so these tariffs hurt them. And South Carolina said, you know what? You don't have the power to do this, so we're not going to do it. And if you unless you withdraw by this date, um, then uh, withdraw like these tariffs we will withdraw from the Union. Federal government sent a, uh, a Navy gunship to the coast of South Carolina. Troops were sent to, uh, to be near South Carolina. Uh, everything was prepared for a war. So people th- say, well, Joseph Smith predicting this wasn't that great because there were a lot of people, prognosticators, predicting that this could happen because that was the, the climate at the time uh, in the country. However, they strike a bargain and a deal. They lower the tariffs and the taxes, and South Carolina agrees and war is averted. So you might say, oh, that Joe Smith missed that prophecy. Well, 30-some-odd years later, Civil War does begin. And where does it begin? The first shot is fired at Fort Sumter by General Beauregard, and the Civil War begins in South Carolina. Now, the other interesting thing to note, this prophecy specifically says that it would begin with South Carolina, the rebellion of South Carolina. Now, what was happening in this, the political climate in, in 1832 and 1833 was that the federal government was going to go in and force 
South Carolina to obey these tariffs, which would have meant that the war would have started by the federal government's aggression and not the rebellion of South Carolina. But 30 years later, the Civil War is in fact started by uh, South Carolina recalling their representatives from the federal government, bringing them back to their state and saying, we no longer have representatives here, signing a declaration basically of independence as a Southern, as a state and declaring war. And then there was war. It was, and so these nuances are very interesting, but again, what matters here is verse eight, wherefore stand ye in holy places and be not moved. Now, was this just about the civil war? No, it was not. There there were wars that uh, will shortly come to pass, will eventually terminate in the death and misery of many souls. Was this the Civil War? Yes. It's estimated that more people, more uh, Americans died in the Civil War than in all of the other wars that America has been in combined. Death and destruction and misery of many souls. But from that time, leading into World War One and then World War Two, which... Uh, Joseph, I believe Joseph Fielding Smith makes an argument that World War II has it. Is it Joseph Fielding Smith? Uh, I can't remember. Sorry. Uh, it was a prophet, and I'm looking in my notes. But he makes the argument basically that World War II was essentially just an extension of World War I, which, if you know the history and what happened, it is. There's just this long line of death and destruction and an increase of wars throughout the world um, that. Uh, hasn't hasn't stopped since the civil war. And so it's not just about the civil war. It's about it's about war sp- starting there but spilling over into the world. And look around in the world we live in and and wars and rumors of wars in North Korea and Iran and Israel and China and Russia and the United States and uh African, you know, warlords and South American coups, you know, just it's that's that's pick up a you know read the daily news that's what's going on um and it gets really easy to hone in on the the civil war here of the united states civil war because like verses like four and five that say that slaves will rise up against their masters but joseph uh Wurland said that it uh he that he believed that the brethren and sisters he says, I believe, brother and sisters, that it was intended that this was referred to the slaves all over the world, specifically the inhabitants of the former Soviet Union and its satellites and other parts of the world where the rights and privileges to worship God had come to a knowledge and to come to a knowledge of the that Jesus Christ is his son is denied to them. So here we have an apostle telling us it's not just the black slaves here in the United States, these African slaves that would rise up and fight, which did happen. That was fulfilled. But it's slaves all over the world that would rise up and fight their masters. Why would they be fighting for freedom? The freedom to, so that religion could be preached freely, so that they could undercome to know Jesus Christ uh, and receive salvation through his atoning power. This dual meaning is not uncommon to the Lord. Isaiah, uh, one of the reasons Isaiah is so hard to understand, there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is because he wrote in this dual type of meaning. He was he was writing about uh, the Assyrian captivity of Israel, 
But sometimes he was also writing about the Babylonian captivity. Sometimes he was writing about the Assyrian captivity and the last days. Sometimes he was writing about all three. And these prophecies would be fulfilled at each point. And so it's like, well, what is he talking about? And the answer is yes. And similarly here with this with section 87, it's not just about the civil war in the United States. It's about the last days. It's about the calamities and the death and the, the death and the destruction and the suffering of souls that happens in the last days. Um, so the last few verses I want to hit, verses 6, 7, and 8 in that order. Verse 6 says that all nations will be destroyed. What does that mean? It means that all nations will be destroyed. Now, I have a lot of friends who, who are freedom-loving Americans. They love America. They're very patriotic. I consider myself that way. And there are people that I know that love that, that fight to defend the freedom, and they fight to, to defend the Constitution of the United States. And and look, go back to last conference and listen to President Oaks talk about the Constitution of the United States. There's a reason for it. It's divine, Okay. But I have news. It's going to fall. It has to, because Christ is going to rule and reign as King of King and Lord of Lords. There will be two capital cities, Zion, or the New Jerusalem, and the Old Jerusalem. We won't be dictated and governed by the Constitution of the United States or any other law of man. So whether that comes before he comes, or maybe it will devolve and... and be destroyed when he comes because he came. One way or another, though, all nations will be destroyed. Period. That's it. There's not a question of, of that. Next, uh, there's a warning about those who shed the blood of the saints. Well, how serious is this? There is no sin that a nation can commit which the Lord avenges so speedily and fearfully as he does the shedding of innocent blood. Or in other words, the killing of his anointed and authorized servants. Okay, so you ask, all right, let's think about recent history. The last a chosen person, you know, anointed, let's, go, let's say prophet to be uh, murdered, to seal his testimony in blood would be the prophet Joseph Smith. Well, what happened? Was, that, was the nation that killed him, was it, were they, what happened to them? The Civil War happened to them, where more people were killed in that war than any other war that that nation fought in its history, combined. Calamity and destruction. So, it's a serious sin, and here in our, not not, not obviously in our memory, but in our re somewhat recent history, we can see this. It's, we don't have to go back to Abinadi and see what happened to King Noah and his priests, that they were you know, burned and that their posterity were burned. We don't have to go back that far. We, we can go back to Joseph Smith and see what happened to the nation that killed him. And finally, importantly, what does it mean to stand in holy places? It means to make our... To me, there's lots of things, but one of the things I want to hit on, especially here, is it means to... Make our homes the finest homes, as Elder uh, L. Whitney Clayton taught us. It means to build Zion in our homes with our family. It means to build Zion in our wards, unity and love. 
During the various periods of time or dispensations, and for specific reasons, the Lord's prophets, as mouthpieces, as it were, have designated gathering places, until the day cometh when there is no found no more room for them, and then I have other places which I appoint unto them, and then they shall be called stakes for the curtains of the, or the strength of Zion. There are several meanings to the word Zion. It may have reference to the hill named Mount Zion, or the, by extension the land of Jerusalem. But there is an, another mo, most significant use of the term which by which the church of God is called Zion. It comprises the Lord's own definition, the pure in heart. This this comes from uh, Stand Ye in Holy Places. Similarly, the home is the most important institution for the teaching of the children of God, the principles of Zion. President Lee counseled teachers, families in your uh, in your family home evening, teach them to keep the commandments of God, for therein is our only safety in these days. If they will do that, the powers of the Almighty will descend upon them as the dews from heaven, and the Holy Ghost will be their heirs that can be our that can be our guide, and that Spirit shall guide us and direct us to His holy home. What does it mean to stand in holy places? It means to pay the price for priesthood power. And what does that mean? It means to keep, to make and keep covenants. Because when we make and keep our covenants, we have access to the power of God. When we have access to the power of God, we become one and unified. And that is Zion. When we're one and unified and we have the power of God through making and keeping our covenants, section 45 tells us that the rest of the world, Babylon will be afraid to come to us. They'll be afraid to come to Mount Zion because we'll be an awful and fearful people full of the power of the Lord. So no matter what happens, in section, I just want to go back to section 84 here for a second, ordinances, the priesthood, it's accessing that power. And it's not about being ordained, it's about obtaining that priesthood through making and keeping our covenants. So whether there's a war in South Carolina or all throughout the world, whether there's terrors in or outside of the church and all around doesn't matter whether we you know somebody says oh the church needs to be steadied no it doesn't how will we know that how will we be protected from those things by gathering israel and building zion in our home our own home and standing in holy places and being not moved thanks for joining me this week i hope you enjoy your study and i look forward to talking to you and continuing our study next week